Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, greetings, peace and blessings, joy and prosperity. Come on in, all is a blessing. All is a blessing. Greetings and salutations. It's another edition of Revolutionary. Come back home. Come back home. 
from this working temple of the house of the divine prince, Hypotians and Hoodoo Central. In this beautiful, legendary, historic, and most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this Hoodoo Obeya life path and journey, passing down a great obvious stick along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals. And indeed, as my beloved sister, Denise Augustine, says, our sacred story, please do visit us at www.OurSacredStories.com for your tour plus experience with the beloved historian, voodoo practitioner, Native New Orleanian, Native uh, uh, Tremé resident, Denise Augustine, www.OurSacredStories.com. We live in tumultuous times. I need not have to tell you that. I need not have to even express that to you. You, you need only open your window, turn on your TV, power up your device, and you are aware, should be aware, that we live in tumultuous times. And, and if indeed you are unaware, without judgment, at the minimum, your vision is not clear. Your hearing is not clear. We as humans have this magical ability to sort of turn off and turn on aspects of our consciousness. And sometimes, you might say it many times, it's not always conscious or voluntary. For instance, trauma will cause aspects of our consciousness to sort of shut off, shut down, protect itself in order to not create and recreate greater degrees of harm. So we might call that Denial. We we call that being asleep versus being woke. <laughs> you know, um, I didn't know that that was a thing. Now, uh, hashtag woke nation. Uh, that's all new to me. <laughs> but we have this way of sort of shutting off, shutting down, going within when we're confronted with things that otherwise present a mystery for us. Might otherwise present a traumatic, energetic connection for us. And it's one of many reasons I wanted to reintroduce the topic of Iyami today in the show. And show topic, show name, hell has no fury like Iyami. Hell has no fury like the power of women. Hell has no fury like the power of black women. Hell has no fury like the power of African women. Now, before you go into a tizzy, this ain't racial if, if we're looking at a archaeological perspective. Science, archaeologists say that humanity grew up out of the great continent, that all humanity grew up out of the great continent, and then intermixed, interbled, spread, other forms of, of humans, or humanoids, I should say. Uh, we talked about this briefly on a previous show, so I did do a little homework to sort of get a, a better 
distinction uh, between, you know, humans and humanity as we view ourselves, see ourselves today, um, and then the awareness that there were indeed other forms that existed on the planet before we sort of arrived at this human utopia that we live and exist in today. And so there are different types of human species, human solionesis, human floriocionesis, homo dimisova, homo rudofensis, all these different names that I can't pronounce that we've reduced down to things like the Davidians, words like the dog, but come from these much, much bigger names, homo erectus. Homo sapiens, of course, are who and what we're supposed to be today. So when we think about first just showing acknowledgement to our ancestors, it's always been interesting to me, and maybe not to my students and my godchildren and my initiates and my clients, to us, but at the greater degree of the community, how limited our vision is about ancestors. And, and in some cases, there's a, a whole denial of ancestors much closer to you, much nearer to the ground, if you will, uh, literally and figuratively, as opposed to ancient bloodlines that we often grasp for to fulfill needs specific to PTSD, in, in the ADOS community, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so we seek the supreme culture, the supreme ancestor, uh, that somehow is going to sort of fix and repair all of our most modern and humanistic and carnal needs and desire. And by doing so, there's a great denial of a, of a stream of ancestors that came before that are often overlooked. And again, those that are often closest to us. We have this unfortunate dichotomy in modern American society. You know, we call it broken home syndrome. The absence of mother or father or the grandparents raising, you know, the children. And indeed, this has existed in other generations before ours, going back to enslavement, but indeed we often point at it as a contributing factor to many of the complications that we might deal with or exist with today. And I often teach that part of that capsule of information that's contained within ancestral memory um, are our wins and our losses, those things that give us the most pleasure, the most found joy, and those things that traumatize us indeed the most. And so the power of women, indeed, the power of men, women is available to all humanity, not just women, not just the woman who possesses the womb, for indeed we all pass through the womb in order to get here. So it's said that there are three types of Iyami that manifest on earth. They're given names, they're given colors, they're given representations. Uh, 
but at its most basic level, uh, women and those who possess a womb, those who pass through a womb, and then those who that power of Iyami is inferred upon. Um, it, it is often said that no one can initiate Iyami. That's not entirely true, and there are a great deal of mysteries around that. Um, also says you can't give what you don't have. Um, so you have to be very careful about the regurgitation of, of written material uh, about Iyami that is not of uh, West African origin. That is not uh, written in and translated directly from from Yoruba and, and the other ethnic groups in relationship to the Yoruba that understand Iyami. Indeed, that power shows up in other ethnic groups. Different names, different language, different linguistic and cultural ethno uh, diversities. But we often teach here from the place of Yoruba, because in this audience, that is the most common thing that we have exposure to, is Orisha. And so Iyami has been sort of misquoted as witchcraft, sort of expanded to, to just be about witchcraft. And indeed, it is a, a magic, it is a power that is indicative first to nature, first to nature, and, and then as it manifests within us, as with all things that manifest within us, we have the opportunity then to utilize and apply those things to our best interest, to the, to the healing and, and the benefit of ourselves and others, but also to do harm unto others. This is not specific to Iyami. This is not specific to witchcraft. It is indeed specific to humanity and human need and desire to go bigger and, and better than God's self, to, to feel a need to exact ego before spirit to look at things from a from a me myself and I Western perspective, uh, as opposed to what indeed affects the whole of the community. And I'll say before, you know, when we start talking about Iyami and Risha and, and Voodoo and, and Akan and etc., we have to really consider indigenous environment a more natural indigenous environment in which these traditions would have existed in comparison to how they manifest themselves in our societies and our cultures today. I'm a strong advocate that spirit doesn't die. Spirit can't die. Um, when we look at math, when we look at science, energy doesn't die, if you will. It just has to be transferred, recreated from one thing to another, from one resource to another. All energy was created at the Big Bang, was created at the beginning of, of creation. And, and so, therefore, all the energy that we'll ever need, that we'll ever find, that we'll ever recreate, is it, already, already here. And it's just a recycle of that which already exists. So spirit, too, doesn't die by way of no white supremacy, by way of no middle passage, by way of no great calamity of humanity, spirit doesn't die. 
it moves and creates itself, regrows itself, replants itself in new conditions, in, in, the, in the presence of a new climate and, indeed, new weather. And there are powers, there are forces, there are traditions that carried and survived even the Middle Passage and, and came on to live and rebirth itself in, in, in the Gullah Geechee Nation, in, in the New Orleans and Mississippi uh, Delta, in, in the Deep South, and, and indeed now in America, wherever you find us, you find the power, you find the spirit, you find the connection to the ancestors. We need only to be conscious of it. We need only to be awakened to it. There's a story that Olo Dumare, or God, handed the world Iyami. They were originally eight in number. They not only have great power, but have extraordinary powers to communicate. The Iyami misused its power. They fought with Arumala and the other Orisha. Arumala killed six of the original nine Iyami reducing the number down to two. The Iyami use blood like water. They wear black clothing. In the Odu Osameji, all things are born in Odu. All things are born in divination. In the Odu Osameji, Orumila initiated the two remaining Iyami. Iye Kowi, one of the remaining Iyami lives in the bush. The townspeople frequently say Iro Sese, beseeching Iye Kowe to be easy, to go easy. If Iya Kowe doesn't take it easy, trouble will come swiftly. The second Iyami lives at home with the townspeople. After Arunala killed the sixth original, Iyami, the remaining two, joined the Iyami and was initiated. Once Obatala initiated to Iyami, Orumila gave him the name Ajay Obatala, Ajay Abarisha. Orumila divided the Iyami into three groups in Iro Sun Meiji, Iro Sun Meiji. White Ajay belonging to Obatala, Red Ajay, also, Black Ajay, Iyami. When the Iyami came from heaven to earth, they were indeed all women. However, since they were reduced to two by Awumila, they initiated many, both men and women. And Awumila gives the Iyami much respect. If there is peace on earth, it is due to Iyami. If there is no peace, it is also due to Iyami. Only Awumila has ever defeated Iyami, but he still gives them much honor, much respect. Anytime Arumila wants to divine, he must first salute Iyami. Imule is the oath that Iyami have taken. That is, they see a child of Arumila, they won't touch them. The Iyami like to eat big rat eggs, echo, liver, and kidneys. The Iyami can never eat Obo. All Odu speak about Iyami. And when we think about these ancient stories, these ancient traditions, you know, from a modern 
mindset, you know, we, we have things that mirror that. You know, no one wants to upset the woman of the house. Nobody wants to upset, you know, Big Mama. Uh, it, it's a now popular saying, uh, happy, happy life. So the power and the presence of EIME and the protocols in which we operate within EIME are all around us, just like the many proverbs that we associate with EIME. They are known and they are unknown. They are seen and they are unseen. And it suggests, as do many cultural practices and traditions, that seeing the world through a third eye, seeing the world through a different glass, not only changes your perception of things, it literally can change your reality. And so the ability to placate and appease uh, uh, Ajay, luck, the ability to placate and, and appease Iyame and, and Orumila and Obatala is, is the way to bring about not only balance in, in the life of an Ifa voodoo practitioner, Fa practitioner, but also bring about real-world manifestations. I like to say result-oriented practice and tradition right here, right now, in this most present moment in time space. But as always, and my regulars know what I'm about to say next, <laughs> you got to be willing to do the homework. You, you got to be willing to do the homework. And so we say, Obatallah, we say the chief of the white cloth, and it is symbolic of many things being covered in protection, being covered in purity, being clean. Being well, being being balanced, being whole. There are stories that speak of uh, Obatala not only governing the head, but creating and recreating the body, the physical body, if you will, of, of humanity. There's a, and I'm not going to go into every every legend, every story. Um, some of them don't even make sense to us, you know, in English. Uh, but, but there is a story, a legend that Obatala got drunk on palm wine, and, and that was how infirmities um, uh, were created, uh, malformities were, were created, birth defects and, and uh, other uh, disorders and imbalances uh, that humanity can find themselves being, being born into. So Obatala is not only just you know, being clear about your head, being clear about Ori, you know, performing Lave Pet, performing Ibori. But therefore, after performance, we then do what? We put on white. We don't just, just dress the head in white. We take spiritual baths, cleansing baths, magical baths, sweet baths, and then you dress completely in white. And so it's not just, you know, what we think about, what we process, what we intend to do, what we feel an emotional connection to do, but then it follows through in practice, in ritual, in outward demonstration that inevitably shows up in, in real world time. I, I know some of you want to hide the voodoo. 
and, and still go to church on Sunday. I know some of you still are trying to hide, you know, that you're doing some, you know, ATR, some traditional religious connection, you know, on this side, underneath, or behind. But what you know ultimately shows up in your demonstration. And, and, and let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that it's in how many elakis you wear, how many beads you got on. You know, I'm not suggesting that. I am suggesting that what shows up here and, and, and in the heart ultimately has to come out through your hand, through your demonstration, and how you live, and what we point to and what we connect to. We, we are reminded each and every day by way of the calendar in these traditions to connect the spirit. And we connect to a, a particular grouping or a particular set of, of spirits every day. Not just being open to light and love and, and possibilities, but, but being conscious in, in your choosing, in your directing, in your uh, magnetism. Because indeed, we send out communications to the universe about what we need. And the universe has an obligation, a divine obligation to mirror that and then send that back to us. And so that which we send out is supposed to come back to us. That which we feed is supposed to come back to us. Somebody's magical book says that which you feed on earth is, is then fed in heaven. That which you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You know, so... We, we indeed acknowledge the head. We indeed acknowledge the ancestors. You know, we, we're not whole without a head. And indeed, we're not whole without blood that, that flows through our, through our veins. So indeed, we acknowledge the, the ancestors. But we all have a mother. We all pass through a mother. All of humanity has passed through the great mother. And so it is a unique time in history, and particularly in American history, to acknowledge the power of the black woman. We have to give acknowledge to the power of the black woman for a great degree of what has happened and what is happening right now in this election and in the political climate of America. It goes beyond Kamala. It goes Kamala. It goes beyond Stacey Abrams. It goes beyond Maxine Waters. Um, and indeed, hell has no fury like Iyami scorn. Um, I was, you know, just kind of reading through some things online. You know, you, you get in trouble when you go to those home pages. You know, when you start creeping around them home pages and Twitter and Facebook and, and, and whatnot. But I came across this really intriguing conversation you know, about a white politician posted a tweet calling himself a gay black man, which led to people investigating and, and trolling and looking only to find the alternate account that the suspect maybe thought he was posting to um, is now proving to be held by, controlled by <laughs> a black man who turns out to be Patty LaBelle's uh, nephew. <laughs> and I say nephew because, you know, depending on where you look, you know, this guy is either her son or her nephew. And I know the story of, you know, Patty LaBelle's 
you know, and I love Pat LaBelle. I, I, I'm never going to say anything disrespectful about Pat LaBelle. So, so let me be clear about that. But I know the story about her sisters, you know, and, and her mom dying of cancer. And, and so I understand that this might be her nephew and then she raised him um, a, a, as her son. But this politician, uh, Dean Browning, um, was said to have posted, and we have the, 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 the receipt, <laughs> okay? We have the screenshot um, said to have been posting as you know, as a gay black man, you know, I guess speaking to, you know, Trump and, and, and the politics, you know, I've been telling you all, I've been telling you all about COINTEL. Since I began showing up doing podcasts back in 2005, I have been reminding you all to do your homework. If you already know, to remind yourself about what COINTEL is, how COINTEL works, and then compare that to the stories we hear about Russian interference, trying to interfere with the internet. And indeed, if they, if we're supposed to believe that they can interfere out there, they can interfere in here. And so a lot of these, you know, profiles with the flag waving and, you know, a lot of these profiles are not real. Just, just look at them. The, the timelines don't add up. The picture sequences don't make any sense. So this, this guy, you know, apparently has this alternate account where he's pretending to be, you know, a, a gay black man, you know, um, or Pat LaBelle's son, you know, is it, the hired puppet actor, you know, for Dean Browning and may be posting to both accounts and got confused about, you know, whose, whose account he was posting to. Or maybe he's just got his grandma jacked up, and he wanted to connect Dean Browning in some kind of way. I don't know. It's like being in a twilight zone, okay? <laughs> it's like being in a twilight zone. And Patty's nephew name is Dan Purdy, Dan Purdy, P-U-R-D-Y. And I believe that account may have been – taken down at this point in, in, in the scenario. But, um, man, our heads, our minds, our consciousness right now is the most valuable thing that you have. It's the most valuable thing that you own. It's the most valuable thing that you possess. And, and the idea that we open ourselves up, you know, I, I'm not for or against the internet. I'm not anti-internet, and I'm not progressively pushing the internet forward. The internet, your computer, your cell phone to some degree originated as office equipment, communication devices, business. So I do my business. This is a part of my business, you know. But I'm very careful about going down the rabbit hole. That that Patty LaBelle son story that that was a rabbit hole, but but I got caught up for a moment in in, in the telling and the retelling, you know, uh, of that story. And these stories go go viral, go viral, and, and the idea that that we would abuse the power of of Iyami, abuse the power of women, negate the power 
of women, how, how it shows up personally in our lives, in our relationships to the women in our lives, but then how we go about and act in the world. It's so easy to say it's just all political satire and rhetoric and, you know, it'll pass, you know, when the election passes. But the reality is we've got to wake up, if you haven't already woken up to the reality that these people live next door to us, across the street from us, maybe in your house, maybe in your in your building. Half of America has co-signed, has, has put a check behind many shenanigans that are taking place right now in humanity. Because it doesn't just affect us, it affects the entire world. The entire world. The entire world is not only just looking at your it's not just looking at your government. It's not just looking at, you know, your country, but the people. We the people. They're, they're looking at us in Facebook. They're looking at us in Twitter. They're looking at what the Americans are concerned about or not concerned about, and invest their time and money and energy in. And so, yes, you become a target. They show up in your DMs. You know, they're claiming they're going to do, you know, great magic for you. You know, they're giving you the latest investment. They're giving you the next shortcut, the next, you know, short, quick trick, you know, to, to something, you know, unimaginable. You know, and they're feeding off what America, you know, is sort of putting forward. And so it puts everybody in a bad place, and particularly those of us who just might feel like, well, I can't do one thing or the other, and we're just sitting and, and watching sort of this train wreck happen. And, you know, I'm not here to give anyone a plug, you know, but I do respect, I do respect um, Biden's ability to demonstrate turning down the heat a little bit. To demonstrate that I'm not going to be inflamed, you know, by, by the smoke coming coming out of your village, you know, to, to run, you know, and, and, and seek to put out a fire, you know, and, and particularly a fire that might be self-contained within your village, you know, that, that ain't leaked over into mine yet. But the unfortunate reality is, you know, under this system that we exist in in America, this is everybody's problem. This is everybody's problem. And so that's why I personally, it's my personal choice, you know, to whatever I post in Twitter, to whatever I put up in, in Instagram, to whatever I put up, you know, in, in Facebook, it, it, it's all good. It's all good. I've got people, you know, that I'm friendly with, that I work with, that, that I do acting and Hollywood stuff with, staunch Trump supporters. But they keep it in their lane, and I keep mine in my lane, <laughs> you know. And, and the lanes have crossed a little bit, you know, in social media, you know, here lately. But if you have the ability to communicate, if, if you have the ability to think, to plan, to strategize, then you plan for the next day. You plan for the next move. You plan for the next opportunity. You don't get distracted 
in the weather of, of what might be happening temporarily and right now, and particularly when certain things are already sort of hardcore in place. If you know, without getting too political, certain things are just really in place, you know, and so uh, unless he indeed plans a, uh, well, I don't want to disparage any country, but, but a, a third world type coup, that, that's a whole nother thing. And, and that's what has America sort of on pins and needles about right now. What exactly is going on? What exactly is about to happen? Um, and, and some of you want a third world style coup, you know, but what do you do with that? How many of you are prepared for that? We talked about this before, for your Walmart not to be open, for your Walgreens not to be available, you know, possibly for our, our communications to be jacked up. How, how many of you are really prepared for that? How many of you could live with a world without power and Internet for 24 hours, 48 hours a week? Now, if you live in Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, the Carolinas, we used to that. We deal with that every hurricane season, not having power, not having Internet access, you know, and, and, and then having to do what you do. So you prepare for those seasons. So it's a lot of rhetoric and a lot of talk and a lot of energy being tossed around right now. And, and particularly this energy that's being projected, you know, at, at women. One of the things that this guy said in this posting that, that really caught my attention, uh, supposedly Taylor LaBelle's son, um, he, he had a little post, you know, random post from this alternate account um, that, that said something to the effect of black women would be the death of this country. And indeed, he's trying to influence that Trump right-wing conservative, white supremacist, racist, you know, uh, segment of our, of our culture and our society. But, but remember, he was doing it under the guise of a black avatar. So, so a black profile suggesting that black women would indeed be the death of America. I also remember in the last two weeks, you know, some other really hard, harsh and, and negative commentary being made about Stacey Abrams, about what she looked like, you know, of course, about Kamala and, and, and what her and Biden, look, you know, look like together. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm still on my soapbox. I, I just don't understand why we're that quick to come to attack when it's Obama, when it's Kamala, you know. But we weren't that quick to attack on four years of Trump. And so, to, to, you know, to discover this, Patty LaBelle, nephew, you know, post. I, come on, I know somebody didn't search it by now. Um, Patty LaBelle's son, let me help you out. Um, okay, I'm looking at a guy named First Mate Prince. Twitter at B-O-C-X. T-O-P. Now, I don't, I don't know what else is on his page. I don't care what else is on his page. I didn't find his page like that. 
I found his page trying to investigate this peddler bell thing. And so I get to, you know, 4.54 p.m. Central Time, November 10th, 2020. You just woke up? Well, a white politician posted a tweet calling himself a gay black man, which led people to find the alternate account they suspect he meant to post it from. Said alternate account then posted a video proving they are a gay black man who turns out to be Patty LaBelle's son, Dan Purdy. So it, you know, even if you, you know, you're, you're, you're aggressively trying to avoid politics right now, you're aggressively trying to avoid, you know, the election right now, still cannot ignore <laughs> sort of the spiritual condition, the value condition, the place of poverty that our country is, is sort of vibing in right now. And for my black listeners and people of color and, and women and gays, and, you know, we feel a great deal of tension right now with all of this, this Madness going on, and someone is going to be made the scapegoat. Someone is going to be made the example. Some nutcase falls off somewhere, and, and then we have you know the next major uh, breaking news event, you know, in America. And so, if you're a thinking person, um, it, it, you know, where are we going? And what is my role in the scenario? I asked a question yesterday. As an American, you know, do you have an obligation to be patriotic? I know I have a global audience. So, so as a Kenyan, as a Nigerian, you know, as a Ghanaian, you know, as a Brit, do you have an obligation to be patriotic? And the second question I asked was, you know, I expanded on it. I said, not just where you live, but as a human, do you have an obligation to participate? And and in all fairness, my answer to the first question is, no, you don't have an obligation to be patriotic depending on where you live, depending on where you live. Now, in in America, we have, quote, unquote, the right and the freedom to not be patriotic if we choose. We, we don't have to salute the flag. Your child don't have to stand up in school and put their hand over their heart if you choose for that not to happen. But we know in the sound of my voice, there are places on the, on the planet where you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. And the second question, as an American, as a member of your nation, as a member of humanity, do you have an obligation to participate? And for that, I say absolutely, absolutely. And it doesn't matter to to what degree your knowledge level, your education level, your skill level, there's something for everyone to do. There's a place for everyone to be relevant. There's a place for everyone to be important. It, It might take some creative, meditative, thoughtful measures to sort of figure out a plan it might involve reaching out to others, you know, who, who might intersect with your plan, who might be able to co-create 
you know, or, or give some advice about how to move your ideal forward. But we have an obligation. In my belief, we have an obligation to participate. And particularly right now, particularly right now, um, we don't know what we're going to wake up to at any given moment. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know to what degree, you know, Congress and the Senate and the House is going to have to. We, we just don't know. We have never experienced this before. You know, I know there are other people in other countries that are kind of watching and maybe laughing at America right now, but we have never, ever had this, you know, save for the civil rights, I'm, I'm sorry, save for the uh, uh, civil war. We haven't had this. And I heard someone say we are as close right now to civil war-like dynamics than we've ever been since the civil war. We are that divided. And so this Internet tool only acts as, um, you know, a, 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 a virtual third party, you know, who can instigate, who can contribute, you know, who can interfere, you know, who can support, you know. And so we as individuals and users, you know, of this, of this tool, and residents of the planet, you know, must understand that we, not just women, but those born of a woman, possess a degree of iyami, possess a degree of power and magic that we must have turned on, that we must be fine-tuned to, that we must be able to hear, that we must be able to pay attention to. And in a world where testosterone and aggression dominates, there's not a whole lot of room to support intuitive emotional challenges. You know, I was trying to find, um, back when I was in college, I became aware of and acquainted with some creation stories from around the world, and particularly in, in Africa, of Southeastern Africa, Kenya, the Kikuyu, the Turkana, uh, these people. And one of the stories was about how men gained control of the world. Uh, and I couldn't find it. You know, anywhere online, you know, we've tried to search Odu. We've tried to search Irumale. You know, you just can't find these things without knowing very specific combinations of words, phrases, languages, ethnic groups. It's almost like that which is attuned to our truth is, is, is deep in the web. It's deep, deep in the web. You know, it's just not on the surface. So I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, but I'm attempt to retell it. And it sort of talks about a time when the world and the world viewed God as a woman and women controlled the marketplace, women controlled, controlled the house, women controlled, controlled the village. Um, it was a maternal, uh, matrilineal society. And so this story talks about a time where, you know, men sort of became disgruntled, you know, w- with all this power and all this control, and, 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 and they wanted, you know, to be on top and sort of subvert that. 
And in this story, they plotted to impregnate all the women in the village, in, in that community, at, at the same time. To sort of force a scenario where uh, men would then be on top. And, of course, this is a, a creation myth, a, a creation story. Uh, and there are many like them all over the world, including in Europe. But it opens up that idea, that conversation about uh, sort of the demonizing of women and anything that looks feminine, anything that looks like a woman, anything that feels like a woman. You know, the Bible goes as far as to say effemininity is, is an abomination. So the the idea of EIA being witchcraft, the idea that a woman might, you know, do some form of, of negative or, or evil dark magic does not just exist in, in Yoruba, Nigerian Yoruba culture, but we see it in many places of the world, uh, and particularly in that interchange between women dominating the world and, and men. Uh, I would really love to get a much deeper global understanding about that shift, you know, from the goddess uh, to, to God, from, from the great mother, you know, to our, our father who art in heaven. Um, I, I need to do a little bit more um, study and, and research into that. I, I'm really curious about sort of when in, in the history of the planet uh, did that did that shift, you know, begin. It's been suggested that um, it began around the time of agriculture and humanity uh, learning and developing ways to farm and harvest, sort of create their own natural supermarket, if you will, out, out in nature. Um, so there are some tellings that suggest that this shift happened uh, right about that time. Um, there's an article I was reading um, on a site called New Scientist. New Scientist. The origins of sexism. How men came to rule 12,000 years ago. Human societies weren't always male-dominated. The switch came when we became farmers and that suggests ways to roll back towards a more equal system. The vast majority of cultures are patriarchal, where men are more likely than women to hold positions of social, economic, and political power. So, in its tempting to assume, so it is tempting to assume that this is the natural state of affairs. Perhaps because men are, on average, stronger than women. But a study of humanity's roots suggests this answer is too simple. Chimpanzees, for instance, are not a proxy for our ancestors. They have been evolving since our two family trees split between 7 and 10 million years ago. But their social structures can tell us something about the conditions that male dominance thrives in. Common chimpanzee groups are... Um, Manifestly patriarchal. Please, please hold. Greetings, greetings. I'm in a hurry. I'm live on the air. Go ahead. Yes, please. Thank you. So, so, um, 
I lost my train of thought. I, I got it. So um, their social structures can tell us something about the conditions that male dominance thrives in. Common chimpanzee groups are manifestly patriarchal. Males are vicious towards females. They take their food, forcibly copulate with females that are ovulating, and even kill them merely for spending time away from the group. Males also spend their lives in the group they were born into, whereas females leave at adolescence. As a result, males in a group are more closely related to each other than the females. And because relatives tend to help one another, they have an advantage. The same is true in human society. So in places where women move to live with their husband's family, men to have more power and privilege. Patriarchal residence, as it is called, is associated with patriarchy, says anthropologist and primatologist Sarah Hardy at the University of California at Davis. For most of our history, we have been hunter-gatherers and patriarchal uh, or patriarchal residence is not the norm among modern hunter-gatherer societies. Dead, either partner may move to live with the in-laws or a couple may relocate away from both of their families. And according to Hardy, a degree of egalitarianism is built into these systems. If they reflect what prehistoric hunter-gatherers did, women in those early societies would have had the choice of support from the group they grew up with or the option to move away from oppression. Uh, Right before the show today, I showed a uh, 30-minute documentary uh, for my beloved and faithful participants who always seem to show up an hour before I uh, go on air. Uh, Give me a second. I'm trying to uh, revive the name. Uh, the, The video was called The Land of No Men. The Land of No Men, Inside Kenya's Women-Only Village. And it's about a project, um, I believe, called Omoja. Omoja. And it's about a program that sets out really to provide uh, environments in which women uh, of of a certain set of ethnic groups in this region of Kenya um, tend to be abused and find themselves in patriarchal scenarios that don't work to their best interest. So these women have uh, come together and formed this co-community, this cooperative community. Um, And it's called Umoja in Kenya. And it's run by women, primarily women, even though... um, even though uh, men can live there uh, and men who don't necessarily sort of fit into, you know, those old masculine norms are available to live there. But it reminded me that, you know, there are many historic examples, and not just in in Africa, but in indigenous societies all over the world where uh, women were self-governing or men and women sort of coexisted, lived together, uh, but under the, the governance uh, of women. 
Even we look at uh, ancient Egypt. Uh, there's a book called When Women Ruled the World. When Women Ruled the World, Six Queens of Egypt by Kara Cooney. This riveting narrative explores the lives of six remarkable female pharaohs, from Hatshepsut to Cleopatra, women who ruled with real power and shrines, and shines a piercing light on their own perceptions of, of, of our own perceptions of women in power today. Uh, female rulers are a rare phenomenon. But thousands of years ago in ancient Egypt, women reigned supreme, regularly, repeatedly, and with impunity. Queens like Hepsetchit, Nefertiti, Cleopatra controlled the totalitarianism that dominated uh, the societies that existed at that time. And, and that book is called When Women Ruled the World, Six Queens of Egypt. And so we, you know, sort of think in this modernist way about patriarchy and male-dominated societies, and, and it seems like it's been, you know, forever. And, and the truth of the matter is it has not been forever. It is, it is relatively recent uh, in, in humanity, Th- though this article, um, New Scientist, suggests that um, the introduction of um, agriculture and human involvement in agriculture may have have led to uh, the origins of sexism. Um, in places where women move to live with their husbands, family men tend to have more power and more privilege. A patriarchal or patriarchal residence, as it is called, is associated with patriarchy. But for most of our history, we have been hunter-gatherers and patri-local residence is not the norm among modern hunter-gathered societies. Instead, either party may move to live with the in-laws, or a couple, as we often see here in America, will relocate away from both families. And according to Hardy, a degree of egalitarianism is built into these systems. According to one school of thought, things changed around 12,000 years ago. With the advent of architecture, I'm sorry, uh, agriculture and homesteading, people began settling down. They acquired resources to defend, and power shifted to the physically stronger males. Fathers, sons, uncles, grandfathers began living near each other. Property was passed down the male line, and female autonomy was eroded. And as a result, the argument goes, patriarchy emerged. This origin story is supported by a study published in 2004, where researchers at the Sapienza University of Rome, Italy, studied mitochondrial DNA inherited from our mothers, generic markers of the Y chromosome inherited from fathers, and 40 populations from sub-Saharan Africa. This suggested that women in hunter-gatherer populations, such as the Tsong and the Hausa, the Tsong and the Hausa were more likely to remain their mothers after marriage than women from food-producing populations. It was the reverse for men, suggesting that agriculture is indeed correlated 
with patriarchal societies. If attempting to assume male dominance is the natural state of human society. But in writing things, solidarity is crucial, says Amy Parrish at the University of Southern California, Los Angeles. She studies Bonobo societies, which are patri-local but female-dominated. Females weigh 15% less than males, similarly to humans and chimps. Yet Paris says that they have upper hand. They have the upper hand because they cooperate and form alliances. She sees a parallel with feminist movements. The goal is to behave with unrelated females as if they are your sisters. It's not as easy as it seems. Um, the Me Too movement is about female cooperation, says Hardy. But getting cooperation among non-kin is difficult. And we find the same complexity, in my opinion, in terms of getting cooperation among non-kin, among Africans, and particularly among African Americans uh, who don't necessarily have the um, rigid ethnic connections that our brothers and sisters in Ghana and Kenya or Cameroon might have. They may be able to recount their great-grandparents, you know, six generations back. Many of us are doing good to recount our great-grandparents, let alone their parents and grandparents and anyone who, who came before them. And so I've always felt in, in the idea of black nationalism, in the idea of, of ADOS, um, there's an area that still is understudied, undervalued, underlooked at in terms of how you create and build kinship, that sense of brother and sister. We all in this together. We all, we all have a shared uh, investment, but the building of, of kinship among people that many of you really uh, in a relationship to. Some of you denounce relationships to your blood relatives, let alone the people next door or across the street, you know, you know, the various organizations that exist within, you know, our communities. And there's a Western desire to isolate. We talked about this in, in previous shows, you know, to move away from the city, to move away from the urban areas, to move away from the populated, you know, centers of the world, a sense of me, myself, and I, to have a sense of, of my land and, and my property and, and, and my rights. And so in, in a place uh, like this, America, and, and I'm sure Craig speaks to the U.K. and, and some of my listeners can speak to other uh, countries where we really have, you know, a good amount of space in which to, to live on. The idea of doing so without the community, without a real connection to your neighbors, without a real connection to your kinfolk, it is going to become increasingly, increasingly, um, yeah, Craig Burns lives, I believe, in the UK. Uh, it's becoming increasingly, increasingly uh, difficult. 
Who do we call Tism? I don't see you on the phone line. Eric code 845-277-9143. 845-277-9143. Indeed, the goddess uh, J.P. Tarot is being reclaimed. Absolutely, by by not just uh, the witchcraft movement, but the, the spiritualist movement, um, ATR, uh, the goddess indeed is, is being reclaimed. <clears throat> Forgive me for being a little behind on my chats. A, a lot of people had a lot to say. So if, I, if I'm missing you, please forgive me. Um, retype it, type it in all caps so I can see it, or you can call in at 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143 with your question, comment, or request. We think about Iyami and magic and the power of women, and, you know, without digressing a whole lot, you know, black sensuality and and my beloved J.P. Tarot, you know, on that modern witchcraft movement and the black witch movement and yoni eggs and, and sex magic and, you know, all this, you know, really uh, limited stuff that's being tossed around. Um, how we identify Iyami is so much bigger than that. It's so much greater than that. And, and indeed, it is a reason why Iyami continues to be sort of overtly branded as witchcraft. Greetings, beloved. Um, Electrovide, greetings, welcome. Um, the power of women is great. The power of women to, to put their minds together, to choose, to, to, to decide to do or not to do. Um, I've told in previous shows of a story, a more modern, more recent story in, in Liberia, um, where, I'm sorry, Cote d'Ivoire, I believe it was. And, you know, civil war was going on. And the women said, no more, no more, no more. There will be no more, unana, until you all put down the gun, you know, and stop this, this nonsense. I, I may have been right. I think it was in Liberia uh, about four years ago, four or five years ago. And it, it stopped the war. Uh, and so people have played around with the ideas. Social media, you know, talking heads have played around, you know, with the idea, have, have made it comedy. But, but there's a real truth in the power of women to, to uh, encourage, to motivate, to utilize their, their, what the old folk used to say, woman wiles, to encourage a man to do the right thing, to make a moral decision, to push things forward, and particularly the, the sort of caricature that we're being presented with right now. Uh, I know there are men that are listening to me right now that say, oh, that's not me, that that's not all, all men, and I, I agree with you. Absolutely. I'm on your team. But you look at your president, and, and other figures that are otherwise celebrated, otherwise uplifted, uh, otherwise, uh, you know, viral in, in this culture who are exhibiting sort of this behavior that, that gets our attention. Uh, I, who knows why? That, that's part of what's crazy about uh, Roddy's story. 
you know, and, and somebody said they hope Patty LaBelle uh, beat the bricks off of him with a Grammy. <laughs> Nobody knows why. No one knows a motivation. No one's clear. And, and this post has thousands, thousands of commentary. Uh, that's just one person's post that I was reading from. There, there are thousands of people who chimed in. I can't even find Right now, I can't even find the originator of the suspicion around this post because I believe I did have it locked in before I rebooted my computer. Uh, Some popular figure, I want to say they're popular in social media. They might actually also be uh, in the entertainment business. Uh, Their name won't come to me until I can find it, so forgive me. But... um, this person apparently did the, the receipt finding, went through those cardboard boxes of receipts and, and found the proof uh, and sort of put this story together and pieced it together. There's too many comments on it now. Um, it'll take me some work to, to figure out again who originated all of this. But no one knows the what and the why. Uh, as of, of late, you know, no response, you know, to do my journalistic thing. No response has been given yet from, from the LaBelle household. Um, no responses yet have been given from uh, Dan Purdy. And no responses have been given from uh, Dean Browning uh, to explain, you know, how and why uh, this would happen from, from his account at all. Uh, it just, for me, this, you know, is another confirmation of, of much bigger topics that we talk about here all the time, like COINTELPRO and the ability for not just foreign actors, but for board folks at home in America, in the UK, in Germany, you know, to create and recreate stories and imagery and videos, you know, that are quite convincing, you know, online, that get us to pull behind one thing or another to get us to agree with one platform, you know, or, or the other. And, and they've gotten so good that they've got, you know, the black power fist, they've got natural hair, they've got the, the, the goddesses that just draw you in and the queens, you know, and they, they've got it all until you start doing the look in the homework. And it's not even a black person profile. It's, it's a puppet profile. And it's designed to pull at your very heartstrings, to pull at your emotions, to pull at your feelings, to pull at your carnality. Too many of my brothers are still just too obsessed with, with the carnality of a woman. You know, her, her, her thighs and her hips and her lips. and Okay, oh, great. But, but what about her, her, her goddess consciousness? What, what about her queendom? And her, and her ability to create and recreate a reality that we're seeing many strong black women create for not just us, but, but for society. Abrams is putting things forward for society, not just for men, not just for black, not just for, for Georgia, but for America, you know. And, and so we would hope, we would hope for the best from Kamala. We would hope for the best for, from, from these many you know, newly elected black, powerful, you know, Republican and Democratic uh, senators and councilmen and, and, and 
and representatives. But if we don't clearly ensure that that your head and, and your connection to to Ola Damara, your connection to God and spirit, and what's right is open and clear, then we're all looking through a dirty vessel. And no, and no matter who shows up, no matter how glistening and white, we see dirt, we see spots, we see errors. We're, we're checking for the dark side. And, and we live in such an industrialized time. Certain aspects of our humanness are being eroded away. I'm not saying people should be allowed to make egregious, criminal, immoral mistakes repeatedly. But people are allowed to, to be human and are allowed to be given room to grow and, and to come anew again and, and to try again and, and to get up again. And so we've got to support our women, our black women, our mothers, our sisters, our nieces, our aunties, our cousins, our neighbors, you know, the woman you see, you know, down the street. And in so doing, we help each other, men and women. We help society in so doing. The, the, the power of Iyami drove this election. Let me say it. So we acknowledge the power of the black vote. We acknowledge the power of black women who, who have always been the backbone of the Democratic Party have always been the backbone of any party in my book, have always been the backbone of society. And so we've got to begin to reevaluate how we view women and the power of women and to make room for new progressive changes. You know, I, I had, let me, let me be honest. Let me be honest for all my haters and enemies and Republican viewers, I had to search progressive. I had to search new Democrat. I had never heard them words before. Had no idea. Had no idea. And to be honest, you know, I hear uh, liberal and, and conservative and I've heard it so much. It's, it's like a, it's, it's like the, the, the fire detector battery is, is low and it's just going off and going off and go, you know and so I thought I knew what those things were and so at my age you know all of 54 for the first time in my life I had to do a real you know dictionary thesaurus <laughs> encyclopedia you know examination of what conservative and new democrat and and progressive and you know, I had no idea and what drove me to do that search was all the venom. You know, if you pay attention to, to Fox News and, and, and what's being said on talk radio, I mean, they've made these words out to be the devil, to be Satanism, to be Lucifer, Aboru, Aboye, Abotiche, Beloved, Awolowa, Babalawo, Ifa, Orisha, Yoruba, Ifa, Toki. Beloved, I want to have you on the show. I need you to get with me off show, you know, in, in an email so that we can organize you actually coming to the show and, and sharing with us Nigeria 
from a Nigerian perspective. Ifa from a Nigerian perspective. Um, some years back, I had an Ifa Wednesday. Every Wednesday, I had a different owl, a different bottle owl from Nigeria who would come on and, and share. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to recreating something like that, beloved, with you um, in the near future. I'll stay on your YouTube channel. I appreciate what you what you say and what you post and what you sing and yeah, male sexuality is rarely addressed. Um, uh, period, Craig Burns, and, and I can see how you would say among heterosexual men even more so than among other gender groups. Uh, absolutely, and and it creates um, sort of a vacuum in terms of, of maturity and growth for men, whereas women, I believe, have a few more resources than we do to connect um, and, and, and better understand ourselves in what we would consider a non-threatening uh, environment. Yeah, COINTELPRO papers, uh, Black Sensuality, are absolutely available. The actual FBI files are available online. I've posted them and reposted them uh, several times in the most recent days pertaining to the Trilateral Commission and how they operated. And so uh, for folks like me and folks like you and people in my age group who understand what COINTELPRO is, um, like ElectroVibe says, all skin folks ain't kin folks. Um, and I and and I appreciate your unfortunately, but I don't necessarily see that as you know. We've never all been the same, kinfolk. Listen, Nigeria have over two hundred ethnic groups with their individual linguistic differences. Just Nigeria, just Nigeria. And so when we look at the continent as a whole. There's never sort of been this one mindset, this one sort of unifying factor. And I think that's what makes ADOS, African descendants of slavery, um, very specific and unique, uh, is sort of the effect that white supremacy and slavery has had on our cultural, ethnocultural development, you know, here in America. Uh, indeed, there was a residue left in West Africa, you know, in terms of, of white supremacy, which exists till this day. Um, but it's very different. It's, it's very specific regionally um, to, to where we are, to where we live, and to what we are living under. Um, I, I noticed during the you know, the, the riots that we have periodically uh, in America. Uh, Rodney King, um, and now, you know, some of the protests more recently, um, how quickly, you know, we can come together ac across ethnic, racial, cultural, you know, financial uh, perspectives, you know, under trauma, when we're at war, when we're at, at battle. And so we can look back um, I think men, Craig Burns, have to first know how to help themselves. I think women are, are doing a better job at helping women. I think men, greetings, beloved, 
greetings, um, S. Marie and, and Evelyn Preston. I think men need to first learn how to better help themselves. Uh, and, and then that subsequently helps the mother, the wife, the children, et cetera. We have been uh, programmed with a different understanding of humanity in the West that has to be readjusted. Yes, Fannie Lou Hamer, Fannie Lou Hamer, say her name, Fannie, Fannie Lou Hamer. <clears throat> I, I forgot now what I was talking about. Uh, please forgive me. I, I was responding to my chat because um, I don't want to miss anybody. Certainly, I don't want to miss any questions. We definitely have to help each other, and I think helping absolutely starts first with self. Um, I, I don't have an issue with women coming together and helping women. But I think men need to better learn how to come together and help other men um, and, and not be so prejudicial um, among men. We, we, we bring that Western competitive, overt, you know, toxic masculinity back into our communities, back into our households, and therefore you have generations of, of fathers who don't communicate openly and wholly with their sons. And, and that transcends the generation. That transcends the house. Uh, because then these guys, you know, subsequently reteach themselves based on what their experience was you know, as a boy, as a man, growing up in the world, coming into the world. Acknowledging the power of women does not diminish the power of men, um, not at all in its natural, organic setting. Uh, the problem is we live in a, in a technologically advanced uh, society that is not in its natural, organic setting, and, and therefore we need to bring, re-bring that, that balance. Um, okay, I'm sorry, Malachi. Uh, greetings, Eric Poe, three one eight. Peace and blessings, beloved. Come on in. Hey, how Is you that, doing? Uh, you doing autism? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing? Always a blessing. Come on in. Always a blessing. Okay. Uh, I wanted to talk about a few things, and you were speaking on uh, basically women, right, and women role in uh, society. And um, I wanted to basically express the uh, need, you know, for women right now in certain positions in society. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so uh, basically um, um, my... uh, my queen, she's a stay-at-home mom, right? And um, it has its up and down. And basically, a lot of stay-at-home moms, they feel like they're losing themselves, right? Okay. And, um, just just speak up. It sounds like you're whispering. Just speak up. Okay. Oh, yeah. So um, basically, stay-at-home moms, right, feel like they are lost or, you know, they feel like they don't have a sense of purpose, Right. And um, I feel like uh, men have limited women to a certain position in society. Is only thing y'all good for is staying at home, cooking, and having sex, right? 
And I feel like that is farther from the truth. And uh, a lot of women feel that, um, you know, their position is just to be at home, right? They, they they feel like their position is just to be at home because they want that uh, experience of being a stay-at-home mom, right? But I feel that um, that position, you know, that phrase of saying women belong in a home and, you know, cooking and, you know, taking care of the kids, which is that, that, that is true. That is true. But I feel like um, – a lot of men get this from this old Christian uh, paradigm where they put women in a box, basically, and say that, um, hey, um, you know, I just want to keep you barefoot and pregnant. And the um, only thing I need when I come home is my sandwich. And uh, that's it, you know, and I just want you to be quiet. So basically this 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 movement of, okay, Stay-at-home moms is, I feel like it have a patriarchal benefit behind it. You know what I mean? Because if I'm dominating, dominating financially, and you are, are you know, uh, depending on a man to only have you know financial gain in the family, it will set a lot of women up for failure, and it has, and a lot of men abuse their power. You know what I mean? When women just stay at home and they feel like, oh, oh, she need me because she, um, she, um, uh, you know, she's not making any income. So <clears throat> I'm going. I'm saying that to say, you see a lot of the effects in society. You okay? For instance, the forests, the fires, the you know, because Earth is just an extension of your home, right? The the um basically the agriculture, the shortage of food, the shortage of organic food. Men have done devastating um things to nature, you know what I mean? Especially the water, you know, dumping plastic, chemicals all in the water. Women feel that entitlement to be at home, but I feel that women have a bigger bigger purpose, and they should have the entitlement not just of being at home, but protecting the earth. Because men have done numbers in the last hundred years. You know how much pollution went up. I feel like if a woman was in charge of saying, "Hey, you can't you can't dump here," you know what I mean. You can't like it's just like being in a home. It's just like, you know, leaving your trash on the floor. Why you got your mom, you know, your mom basically tell you, hey, man, you can't leave that on the floor. You know what I mean? You need to clean up your room. And so without that woman presence, we see this every day in society, you know what I mean, where the water is contaminated. The pipes, you know, are contaminated. You know, uh, um, the air is contaminated. So if we have more, I feel like if we have more of a women presence on environmental safety, you know what I mean, uh, uh, um, the position that we in, you know, far as, you know, our environment would be better taken care of if women was over it. Hello? Yeah, 